Welcome to The Last American Vagabond. I have a special guest joining me today, Jessica Rose, PhD, here to discuss Blotgate, what it's been called on Twitter, and the discussion about what that really means. And I'm interested to find out more about what this is in general, why this is important, what this discussion around these blots and how they look different, what that means in regard to the research, and just what this the implications for the larger discussion about the injection and uh, some other things we're going to get into possibly after this. How are you today, Jessica? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm really happy to talk about this and clarify however I can. <laughs> well, thank you. Your work is very important, so I'm honored to have you on the show today. And so let, let's start off with in general, you know, what what has been, you know, lovingly called Blotgate on Twitter and and the discussion about, you know, so for, from from my perspective, somebody who doesn't really understand this the the what these ultimately mean. So if you could start off with what blots are, why they're important in the context of a clinical trial or research in general, and then discuss why it caught somebody's attention that they look, I guess, too uniform and what that really means. And then we can go from there. Yeah, that that's great. Good intro. Um, so I'm going to try and keep this as, as light as I can because like I just joked uh, before we started recording, uh, I never thought I'd be talking about Western blots in an interview. <laughs> so blots refer to Western blots, which are, um, it's uh, it's bench work in a lab uh, in order to visualize proteins. So if you're ever working uh, in a lab and you want to express a protein or see if you can express a protein in a certain cell line, for example, the way that you can visualize it is using this uh, Western blotting technique. Um, but just let's back up uh, and give some background uh, so that everybody understands why this is important to literally every single human being on the planet. Um the modified mRNA uh, shots, the, the technology used in the Moderna and the Pfizer products, sorry, I, I have a cat who's being fidgety, um, <laughs> is, is built on a brand new technology. These, these are not conventional vaccines, first point. Um, these are messenger RNAs, which are the coding template for the spike protein. So... Well, this is what we were told. They're wrapped in a lipid nanoparticle for delivery to you um, as part of uh, developing or producing via the process of translation spike proteins using this coding template for the spike protein uh, in order to induce an immune response in you against the spike protein so that when theoretically, you are re-challenged or met with the actual SARS virus in real life, you mount uh, an immune response. But we've seen in the data now that these uh, responses aren't um, sustained or effective. But that's not the point. Um, so like I said, we were told, uh, and you have to take all of the things that we were told with a, with a very big grain of salt, that the coding template, the modified mRNA coding template was for, uh, to, was meant to encode full length spike protein. Um, but apparently, according to leaked documents from the EMAs published in the BMJ, the actual percent RNA integrity, that's like the amount of RNA that's actually there in that shot that you get, 
is not even close to being 100%. And what that means is that we don't know what is actually being translated when it gets to you. So the physiological effects of injecting incomplete uh, mRNAs is not known. So this was actually raised um, through Pfizer as a problem. These guys saw this. They said, hey, how come your clinical batches and your commercial batches have different percent RNA integrities? And how come the clinical batches uh, or I'm sorry, the, the commercial batches, the ones that are going to end up in people, are closer to 55% mRNA integrity. Huh. And what exactly is being produced protein-wise? And how is this going to affect people immunologically, physiologically, etc.? It's really, really important stuff. Mm-hmm. So Pfizer were meant to address this. And by the way, I just might point out here, All of this should have been done before 5.5 billion people were injected, okay? This is really important stuff. Um, And also, I I almost forgot to say, uh, there are known handling issues. We were told also these products have to be kept at a very, very low temperature. And there's a publication that's come out recently that shows that multiple freeze thaws actually really affect uh, these products and cause degradation of the lipid nanoparticles and the mRNA. So here's another level of possible degradation of the percent uh, mRNA integrity, which means that whatever you're getting translated, and if it was meant to be full-length spike to induce a an efficient immune response, that ain't what you're getting. Hmm. So that's just one point. So one of the ways to visualize whether or not you have the proteins that you want to be produced, like full-length spike protein, is using this Western blot. So that's what Blotgate refers to. Refers to. So I wrote a substack. Okay, first of all, Jiggy did a deep dive into some documents, and he found this um, this image figure, this one here, that showed these perfect. Um, Lines. Now I'm going, I'm going to explain to you why somebody who does Western blots or who has done them in the past will look at this and go, what, what the hell is that? That's fake. I'm going to explain why that would be your first reaction. Um, this is the way that you visualize them. So he did a deep dive. Another substacker, Midwestern doc, uh, doctor wrote an amazing substack, um, explaining a little bit more. And then a commenter, uh, wrote a, a a beautiful comment. This is what I love about Substack because it's like, you know, the, the new peer review. Um, in reference to somebody they actually knew who worked at Pfizer and why these Western blot results look like this. And so I did my own deep dive and I wrote my own Substack and I was stunned to find out that their Western blotting procedure, which I'll explain, you know, in a second what that involves, um, is robotic. So they've taken the human component out of this very long, very arduous um, methodology and roboticized it. And funnily enough, the, the robot that they use to do this is, is called Jess. You can imagine my, my, my gut when I saw that. I just laughed. I thought, this, <laughs> this is too much. Like, the universe is playing a joke on me. Um, so a Western blot is a multi-step uh, 
like process. It's done in the lab. It, uh, you have to produce a lot of reagents and chemicals and mix everything together. It has to be done on ice. It involves many different types of uh, things. You have to you have to prepare your protein first of all of interest that you want to visualize. Anyway, the the, the long story short is it's very involved, and it's one of the the only benchwork procedures that I've done, and I've done a lot because I have five different backgrounds that really cannot, in my opinion, be like the human cannot be removed from this procedure. Mm-hmm. You need the hands on, you need the thinking brain connected to the hands, connected to the pipetter, connected to the case. All of these things require the hands of the human. Now, some people will argue with me, and that's fine. Some people think that, yes, you can replace certain steps of the Western block, maybe just the visualization using a robot. I would still argue that, no, you should follow it through from beginning to end with the hands of the human. I would argue that. So what you're seeing here is the results from the robotic um, uh, machine that produces the results. That's why they look Perfect, because they were not created by a human. Well, now, I, what I did in my go ahead. Well, just one clarification, and then and then just maybe a question on that same point. So, what we're looking at here as you, is the representation of the proteins and and the and the the, the length or full length or or lack thereof, essentially. And the numbers above that is that the length discussion right there is that the the metric, the numbers listed above each one of those corresponding sections. Um, this is the concentration on the top bar. Okay, and concentration. The, the oh, I see molecular it. I see it weight, yeah, the molecular weight marker runs uh, from top to bottom. So the okay. highest or the the larger sizes are on the top. So yes, the 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 this indicates the spike protein. So this is, I guess, full length, and and then maybe the uh, the monomers. Um, I, I I have to read this again. Well, so and, and this then- is ideal. Right. Well, and then my question then would be though. So, so then the 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 concern is that they're too uniform. Now, is the argument that because it's a machine doing it that that's expected, or would you say that that still doesn't add up? That they're meant to be like that. It's impossible that they could be that uniform. No, uh, I absolutely believe they would be that uniform because it was produced by a machine. That's okay. the power of the roboticization. However. Okay. My guff with this is that these results are perfect Mm -hmm. and we never get perfect results in biology. And the bottom line for me here is that these results were produced and reported by employees of Pfizer. There are massive conflicts of interest here. So these results have to be reproduced by non-conflicted labs, parties, scientists, by hand mm-hmm. in order to convince me and in order to convince the public. I mean, the public doesn't have to be per se convinced, but in order, like if anyone's standing behind the words public health anymore, th- th- we have to start doing things right. And it's not right when the people who make the product who are trying to defend whether or not their product is um, working the way that it's meant to are producing perfect results and not requiring anyone else to reproduce them. This and, is not 
Okay. Right. And the obvious point is that that's not translating into the world, right? So this doesn't add up with what we're seeing, especially based on the other part you mentioned, including the study we can look at that discusses how that's being found, that they're they're actually not, that they're finding incomplete proteins. So this doesn't add up. So why does that make sense? Is that, why would the machine find perfect examples and that wouldn't be seen in the real world? Yeah. And, and it's a really good point you make because they've published something more recently um, to absolutely deny the fact that there are any other proteins being produced. Hmm. So I, I, and a number of us have problems with that because other Western blots that we've seen that were not produced by them show big smears, which means that there's a whole bunch of proteins being produced and we don't know what they are. So the bottom line here is it's and it's easy for anybody to ingest. If you have um, a product and there's an issue with potential safety, the people who do the experiments to provide evidence that the product is safe should not be the people who made the products. Right. Okay. It's not just the, the robotic thing. The robotic thing for me is personal because I don't think Western blots can be roboticized. And my, my counter argument for them is, hey, you might be right, but I would like to reproduce your, your results by hand. And I would like this lab to reproduce your results by hand to confirm that what you're saying is correct, because what they're saying is not correct. So um, could you elaborate on yeah, that? That's blot gate. Could you elaborate on the machine? On, on why is it that you feel that machines can't do that? Is it because that's not accurate or, or what, what's the concern there? No, no, it's 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 I would say it's almost uh, it's too accurate. OK, let, let me put it to you this way. This is what I did in my my sub stack. Mm-hmm. You know, those cookies that you buy in packages and they all have the same number of chocolate chips. Uh, compare that to making a batch of chocolate chip cookies at home. Mm-hmm. When, you know, the sizes are different, you know, and there, there are different thicknesses and maybe some of them have more chocolate chips and they taste different. They taste better. They were made by hand. There was thought in the process of making this. Being in the lab is exactly like cooking. Okay. okay. You have a recipe you have to follow the directions. You have to combine the chemicals to certain concentrations. It's the same. Like lab work is cooking for me. And so... You really can draw the analogy. I don't think you can compare homemade cookies to cookies you buy in a bag that were made in a factory. And it's the same thing. You so might get se- uniformity. Oh, sorry. Well, I was just, so essentially the point is that the world is getting the the homemade version, but the they're showing you ones that are perfect and in uniform. And so it doesn't translate. Is that is that the point? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And, and we, do, we don't know all the other details because they're not showing us. They're showing us this right. cookie cutter product that looks perfect. And we are not being told the other side of the story, which is what are these other protein products? What are these other things that we're seeing in the uh, in the other release documents that Jiki was investigating? We're not getting we're not getting good answers. I can tell you that. So, right. That's and, what Blockgate is all about. <laughs> well, then this brings to me to the study that you mentioned in your, in your Substack, which, which by the way, I highly recommend you all check out. A lot of important work being done here, and these are the two articles we're discussing from our Substack. Uh, this is the, one of the recent studies that you referenced, and this is this is what got me very interested in this. This uh, the other part of this is essentially so the Blotgate discussion seems to in, to at least 
suggest that these are being done in too uniform a way. Now, whether that's intentional or so on, that's a different conversation, but that that doesn't represent what these are finding in the real world, which is essentially, maybe you can explain for us in layman's terms what this means, that we're, so they're finding exactly the thing they say they're not finding with those blots, correct? So this this paper is the response to the mm-hmm. EMA challenge that there was something up with the percent RNA integrity. So this is actually really thorough study. These are um, just let me pull up my Substack here, so I'm mm-hmm. referencing myself properly. So so this is the response to that. Um, what it means, it says off-target antigen translation. That's exactly what we were just talking about. So anything that isn't full-length spike protein. Um, so these guys, uh, they did a lot of work. Uh, they did, they did, you know, pretty thorough examination of what they were looking at. They, they looked at, um, what happens when, I'm, I'm not sure everybody understands this, but I'll just, briefly explain it. The mRNA intact, the modified mRNA has like a cap and a tail and a middle bit. So the middle bit is the stuff that gets translated. The tail is uh, meant to stabilize it. It's got a lot of adenines and the the cap is meant to like help guide it to the ribosome and and make uh, translation efficient. So they did a bunch of experience uh, experiments that investigated what happens when it's missing the tail, you know, truncated versions, mm-hmm. as was proposed by the, you know, the EMA crew, like team wise. So this is precisely the response to that. Uh, my internet's going in and out. So exactly what they showed here, like they just went like this and they said, there's absolutely no problem here. The only thing being translated is what's supposed to be translated. There's mm-hmm. nothing else so that made me go, really? I mean, I'd love it if that was true. And I do think they did a thorough work here. But I reiterate, this was done by Pfizer employees who have an extraordinary long conflict of interest. Go to the end. Show everyone, okay? I want everyone to see this because this is important. Go all the way to the bottom. Uh, people need to reproduce this work in different labs that aren't sponsored by Pfizer. Go up a little bit more. It's just above the um, the references. Up a little bit more. You have to go above the references. There you go. Uh, okay, here, maybe. Okay. So, of competing interest. Okay, focus on this for a second. Am I in the right spot? Sorry, you're cutting out a little bit. Yeah, declaration of competing interests after oh, the discussion. Got it, got it, got it. It's there always go. at the end of the paper. So <laughs> for people who want to start reading scientific papers, the conflict of interests always have to be declared, and they're always at the bottom, okay? So there, there is a, a long conflict of interest list here. These are the employees of uh, and shareholders of Pfizer, okay? So that's your number one red flag. They're also shareholders of BioNTech and Pfizer-BioNTech are the producers of the Pfizer shots. The study was sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech, okay? That's really red flaggy. It's number one, okay? The reason why you have to declare a conflict of interest is because if you have one, you have to think, okay, well, 
aren't they then incentivized to make their results look a certain way because they have a lot of money as they claim here shareholders invested in this product mm-hmm. it's it's not a, it's not you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist or you don't <laughs> have to be suspicious to to well, ask that question it's a no brainer like I, of I course add- they're going to try to make the- I, I would add one quick thing to that too. And this is what I say to people because, you know, I'm with you right there. It's frustrating how many people want to just kind of sidestep into that as an excuse to not engage with something, right? But for those that are convinced it's conspiracy theory, ask, put yourself in a position where you're, you know, you have a conflict of interest and you find yourself in a choice where you may not even think it's morally wrong that you get to decide between doing something that may seem unnecessary but should be done or not doing it and saving the money. And you don't have to do it. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to choose, maybe not in the, in the sense of, you know, the point is that you can find many situations where somebody would make a choice that might not even be morally wrong, but you would argue they should have done it and they might not because of situations like this. Like, I just find that's a good point to make for people that are going to dismiss the conspiracy, conspiracy side of it, but just realize that people in these positions make choices like this every day. And this is not how it should be done because that will happen just to elaborate. So go ahead. That's precisely correct and and you don't need to re- you don't need this you have to have the skills to read this paper and understand it listen if you're going to start reading scientific journals i guarantee you you'll get most of what you need from the abstract from the conclusion and from the competing interests paragraph mm-hmm. okay really th- these these are where you're going to find most of the information that's pertinent so um like I said, it's the same thing for, for the blots that were done before. All the experiments that they did in this paper, and they did a lot. They did a lot of good work. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'd love it if what they say is true, because it would mean that we don't have a problem. But I know that we do, mm-hmm. or at least I'm very convinced we do from my, my other studies and all the peer-reviewed publications coming out. So the... Obviously, the blots being too uniform is a red flag, and obviously the real-world representation does not even remotely align up with that, and there's plenty of other examples and research showing that we are finding these things. So the question is, what does that mean, right? What does that mean from your perspective if people are getting these truncated versions of the proteins, and what could that possibly do to them? It means the the answer is we don't have the answer. Mm -hmm. It's the same frustration that we've been facing for like two years. It's like... You know, the people who are doing research on this subject matter, and I'm absolutely sure there are labs doing these experiments right now, from my perspective, have been having a lot of trouble getting their work published. Right. Unless you're in line with, you know, the fact that unless you're going to sell out and say these things are still safe and effective, even though we found out that they kill people. Right. (laughs) You know, it's, it's not a balanced conversation and we still don't have the obvious answers to the 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 questions that everybody's wondering, like what you just asked. Okay, Man. what happens if I'm being injected with something that was left out in the sun for a while? Am I going to do better or am I going to do worse? Yeah. And there's a lot of evidence to support that you're going to do better because you have a degraded product, but we don't know. Yeah. My my idea is that the more intact your your spike protein is, the worse you're going to be. That's my That's, working uh, idea right now. 
I would agree with that based on what even just what I understand just from from my research that that's obviously if you have less of those things, it sounds better. But I have to admit, I'm with you on being very uncomfortable with the idea of just going nobody see not even the companies doing this, knowing what that could do to somebody because this has never been done before. That's crazy. And I think that's where a lot of us are beginning to realize this is kind of the working model of the pharmaceutical companies today. Right. I mean, we've seen this stuff come out on on Project Veritas today or these conversations about things where they're literally discussing doing the kind of stuff that we would. It seems like the kind of stuff from dystopian movies where we're told is that's crazy conspiracy theory, but it seems to be stuff yeah. being done on, in the public. Today. Yeah. It's, it's alarming. Well, any, any it's thoughts? It's extraordinarily alarming. And uh, yeah, I, of course. Um, yeah, nothing is being done the way that uh, it, it should be being done. I'm not even sure things have ever been being done properly, right. at least not to my standards. Um but yeah, things things have just gone haywire. There's no regulation anymore. There's no um, there's no wall between the pharmaceutical companies and the people. Right. The wall is normally the the regulatory agencies, the FDA and and the CDC behind them. It's like they're gone. Um, and if a product is dangerous, you know, say say it didn't go through sufficient. Clinical trials, wink, wink, right. Operation Warp Speed. <laughs> right. Uh, then, you know what I mean? It's literally shooting in the dark. Yeah. And my, my, from what I can see, and this is horrific, but from what I can see, it's literally just eh, collateral damage. People are going to die. People die all the time. People are going to get maimed. Yeah, it's just part of you know what we're doing, and we need to collect data. Huh. So that's what they're doing. They're collecting the data. Now that should have been collected before 5.5 billion people got injected. And I don't I'm know not about- saying that everyone's going to get maimed, but I, I think a lot of people are. And yeah, it's gross that uh, they're being gaslit and ignored. Yeah, I don't know about you, but what you described there sounds exactly like a clinical trial. We're all involved in a massive experiment is what it seems like. And the data is being extracted from what's happening. And that's disconcerting. And that's just my perspective, right? Just whether that's the intention or not, that's for you to decide out oh, there. You're right. Yeah, the the, the 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 Pfizer trial is still going on right now. It ends at the end of this month officially. Right. If you go to the clinical trial number, yeah, it's still going. It's you know it's amazing, Jessica, and, and we can we can end on this point. Running out of time here on Zoom, the, the it's amazing the things that were discussed early in this conversation. You know, 2020, 2021, the kind of things that were broadly dismissed as like clownishly ridiculous like coming from the corporate discussion even things like we just mentioned are now being fleshed out as very like not even just that they're accurate but that they knew that then i mean i don't know how else to look at that other than some kind of coordinated conspiracy and it's the kind of terms they then throw back on us i mean these things are legal terms you know the ultimate point is from everything that you've seen the blot gate discussion the injections and all of this you know to what degree in your mind do, do you feel that this is ultimately been an experiment or is this kind of like profiteering opportunism you know where do you place this and this is just your opinion this is not based on you know that we're necessarily proving there's some grand conspiracy but like as a as a, as a doctor you know how, do you feel that this has all just been reactive or that there's more kind of planning behind all of this so uh I, yeah i'll just give my final point i think it's a bit of both um i don't think you can explain away a lot of what we're seeing by just hacking it up to oopsies um i absolutely think there was coordination um 
Like here's a, here's a good example pertaining to our conversation today. In 2020, um, it, it was, it was reported by Pfizer and BioNTech that, uh, and it was redacted in the original report that the mRNA and the spike translocate to the nucleus. So what that, what they found is that full length spike protein, when translocated to the, to the nucleus, disrupted double stranded DNA repair breaks, uh, repair mechanisms. This is, very serious. This is published. Um, and it, it also, like I said, came out in their document in 2020. So uh, like you said, these weren't whoopsies. These were we knew. The toxicity profile, just to say one thing about the LNPs, because, you know, we wouldn't have the mRNA tech without the lipid nanoparticles. Uh, the the toxicity profile of those things is is it's known it's established and the cationic toxicity profile has been known for a decade and this is published you know we we know that these things biodistribute to the ovaries of rats same animal model so you know it's it's not a matter of uh whoopsie we didn't think this through this is they knew a lot of this could at least potentially happen. And they went ahead and they injected 5.5 billion people anyway and lied the whole way through. Right. And they're still trying to cover. So, wow. yeah, the dam's breaking on a positive note. <laughs> it, it really is, Jessica. And just to end, to end on that note in general, it's it's because of the work like people like yourself and, and everybody out there who are continuing to show the courage and the integrity. And you. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's, it's everybody doing this, everybody out there who's doing what they can to be objective, show discernment and continue to ask questions, you know. And so thank you for taking the time today and powering through all the Internet issues that we had today. So I appreciate your time. And, and anything else you want to leave me with today Any upcoming work, you know, any, any social media links? Um. Well, you know, I, I, I'm going to get back to my Substack now. I just came back from Sweden for a really big international conference. And I got to tell you guys, when I say the dam is cracking, uh, the dam is cracking. The ripple effect of the, the speaker list and the crowd that showed up for this conference. Wow. Nice. We can feel a change from just this one event. People are desperate for the answers to these basic questions. Yes. And I, for one, am going to try and keep providing answers. Um, when I don't know, I'm going to say I don't know, which is something all our buddies Pfizer will never do. <laughs> right. And, That's an uh, important one right there. And, and really, yeah, uh, I learned that in my master's um, degree. It's like the most important thing you can say when you're standing up in front of a panel of scary people who are asking you to defend your work. I don't know. Right. <laughs> so um, I really, I really appreciate you being patient with my internet too. And, uh, and yeah, find me on Substack, find me on Twitter. I do not have a telegram account. Someone is impostering me. Do not sign up for that. Report it as fake. It's not me. It's someone posing as me trying to sell crap. <laughs> um, so Yeah. Again, thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak. Well, thank you for being here and thank you for taking the time. I know you're busy. And just in case you missed that, it's not her on the telegram. I'll make sure everybody knows that because that's there's a lot of that happening today. And I my you know, I think there's there's too many people trying to grift on top of all of this, which then gives people like you a bad name that are doing excellent work out there. So thank you for taking the time. And as always, everybody out there, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. <laughs>